0: This morning we're going to be in Daniel chapter 3, if you want to turn there. I'm not going to read the whole thing, so i got to give you some backstory. Daniel is a book written in exile. So it's written when the people of Israel, for the most part, have been taken out of their land and moved into another land. And they're, they're being ruled by King Nebuchadnezzar. Awesome to say, not real awesome to try to spell his name. But Nebuchadnezzar. Uh, is he's a mixed character. Sometimes he's not real good to the people, other times he seems to be better to the people throughout the book of Daniel. Um, but Nebuchadnezzar at one point makes this giant gold image of himself and tells everybody in the land that whenever music starts playing and all these instruments start getting riled up, that they are supposed to bow and worship this statue of himself. Or if you've seen the VeggieTales version, it's a big Chocolate bunny. But anyway, that's not in the Bible. It's a big golden statue here. And there are three men, when this happens, from the Jews that do not, uh, do not bow, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Um, they've apparently been in Babylon. They've been in captivity long enough. They don't even really have Jewish names. Those are really actually Babylonian names. Um, but they won't bow. And this gets everyone upset. And so I'm in Daniel chapter 3, picking up the story in verse 13. Then Nebuchadnezzar, he's he's found out about these three men, in furious rage, commanded that Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego be brought. So they brought these men before the king. Nebuchadnezzar answered and said to them, Is it true, O Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, that you do not serve my gods or worship the golden image that I have set up? Now if you are ready, when you hear the sound of the horn, pipe, lyre, trigon, I have no idea what that is, harp, bagpipe, and every kind of music, to fall down and worship the image that I have made, then well and good. But if you do not worship you shall immediately be cast into the burning, fiery furnace. It's probably the furnace that made the image to begin with. And who is the God who will deliver you out of my hands? But Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego answered and said to the king, O Nebuchadnezzar, we have no need to answer you on this matter. If this be so, our God we serve is able to deliver us from the burning fiery furnace, and he will deliver us out of your hand, O king. But if not, be it known to you, O king, that we will not serve your gods or worship your golden image that you have set up. Isn't it amazing? They're not sure if God's going to get him out of the furnace or not. But they're still saying, we're not going to bow. Then Nebuchadnezzar was filled with fury, and the expression of his face was changed against Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. He ordered the furnace heated seven times more than it usually is heated. And he ordered some of the mighty men of his army to bind the three, then to cast them into the burning, fiery furnace. Then these men were bound in their clothes, their tunics, their hats, and their other garments, and they were thrown into the burning, fiery furnace. Because the king's order was urgent and the furnace overheated, the flame of fire killed those men who took up the Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. So the three poor guys have to throw them in. They died because they had to get so close to the fire and it was so hot. And these three men, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, fell bound into the burning fiery furnace. Then King Nebuchadnezzar was astonished and rose up in haste. He declared to his counselors, did we not cast three bound into the fire? They answered and, and said to the king, True, O okay. he answered and said, But I see four men, unbound, walking in the midst of the fire, and they are not hurt, and the appearance of the fourth is like a son of the gods. Then Nebuchadnezzar came near to the door of the burning fiery furnace and declared, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, servants of the Most High God, Come out, come here. Amazingly, Nebuchadnezzar calls their God, the Most High God. Then Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego come out of the fire. And, and their centraps, the Septuagint, perfects, the perfects, and the governors and the king council gathered together and saw that the fire had not any power over the bodies of those men. The hair on their heads was not singed, their cloaks were not harmed, and no smell of the fire had even come upon them. Nebuchadnezzar answered them, Then the king promoted Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego in the province of Babylon. Nebuchadnezzar even goes on to praise God. Imagine this moment. These three men who refused to bow to king Nebuchadnezzar. You've got to understand, there's, there are a bunch of other Jews there. There are a bunch of other Jews that did bow. But we got three men who stood strong, and they're being punished for it. They stand fully dressed, watching as they stoke up this furnace, getting it much, much hotter than it ever has been. A furnace would normally have had to have been pretty warm to have melted metal to be able to make different images. So the fact that they're heating it up to an extreme amount means they probably waited there watching this fire bound in their hands. Imagine them as they wait, bound. In fact, they probably have their feet bound. They probably have to sit down because they had to have people throw them into the fire. Imagine sitting there watching that fire, bound, you can't do anything. and you got all kinds of questions going on in your head, right? God, I was faithful. Shadrach's thinking in his head, I was faithful! Abednego in his head's going over. Should I have bowed? Everybody else bowed. Should I have bowed too? God, where are you? We tried to do the right thing here. See, even in their words and story, that they're not quite sure they're gonna make it. They're not quite sure that God's gonna deliver them. They're hoping, they're praying. But as they sit there watching that fight, bound so they can't move. Hopeless to do anything about it. There's got to be some questions, right? Have you ever gone through fire in your life? Times where something comes up. You're dealing with loss. You're dealing with grief. You're dealing with a, a, a difficult person in your life. And it feels like fire. And you can feel the heat of it all the time. All the time you can feel the heat of this thing coming at you. And you feel bound. You feel helpless. You feel like you can't do anything about it. And there are these questions that naturally come in your head. And they are very natural because even in the Psalms, even in the book of Lamentations, we see the people of God having these same feelings. God, I was doing your thing. I'm helpless here. God, what is going on this is happening to me? We have had those moments. We've had those moments. Yesterday we celebrated a moment like that for this church. Because 50 years ago this morning, sometime in the morning, a fire began in the building next to our church when it was down near the hot dog shop. And some, at some point the fire got enough that it started coming over to the church. In fact, people that witnessed it saw you could see some of the fire jump from the roof of one building to the other. And so people showed up to church that morning to see the fire burning down the church. A couple of the first people there were were, were John Hickey and his son Don, who I think was like 16 at the time. He was there last night to tell stories. And when he got there, the door was open and the lights were on in the church. And so he and his dad ran in and started grabbing stuff out out of the church before the fire came. He said it was snowing. It looked like it was snowing in there because the paint was peeling off the ceiling from the heat on the roof. One of the things he grabbed were these offering plates right here that we still use to this day. They've been redone since then. They grabbed the Bible, which we think is one of these three Bibles that I located this morning. We're not quite sure which one. Um, Grabbed a number of things and got out of there about 20 minutes before the roof collapsed. Imagine sitting there. Some of you don't have to imagine because some of you got to see that fire. Some of you were there watching. And, and it's that same feeling of being bound. Of being helpless. What happened? God, what is going on? For, the, for a number of people last night, as we told the story, it was it was clear as day, some of those memories. Um, it, it's like for my generation, my generation, we all remember when, when 9-11 happened. But a lot of people here... Remember exactly where they were when that church was going. Helpless, right? That same kind of fire. What are we going to do? We have all felt that way at times in our lives. In the story, we don't know what Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego are thinking. We don't get to see their insight into their minds, but as they're starting to feel the heat off of this furnace, as they're starting to really feel the helplessness. Um, They may have thought God was going to rescue them, but I'm not sure they thought God was going to rescue them after they were already in the fire. You know, all right, God, I'm still bound here. That's getting hot. But amazingly, they get thrown in the fire. The poor guys that had to throw them in die because of the heat. But the only thing that gets burned, apparently, is the ropes that bound them. And so when Nebuchadnezzar looks in that furnace, he doesn't just see fire or them burning in the fire. He sees not three people, but four walking around. Now there's a lot of debate in, among biblical scholars about what's going on with this fourth person. Because the text sort of refers to it as like a son of, a son of the gods or an angel. But if you notice, those references are not by any of the people of faith there. Those are references by Nebuchadnezzar. So what's going on? Some people believe that that's God with them. Other people believe that this is one of those sightings of Jesus in the Old Testament. We think of Jesus beginning at Christmas, but but actually what our tradition teaches and what the Bible teaches is that Jesus always was. He just became human at Christmas. So maybe this is Jesus walking around in there with him. In, In any case... Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego may not have known it when they were outside the furnace. May not have understood it when they got thrown in the furnace. But they were not alone. God was with them. God was taking them through it. God didn't protect them from the furnace. That's what they probably wanted. Probably wanted God to come and unbound their hands before. God, come change Nebuchadnezzar's mind. Probably when they are getting thrown in the fire, they're probably not about that point thinking, well, God's still going to rescue us. What they're thinking in their head is, I hope my wife and kids are going to be okay. But God was with them in the middle of it. So much so that Nebuchadnezzar, the king, starts to talk about their God being the true God. Makes rules that they're allowed to worship, and anybody who stops them from worshiping is going to get in trouble that this pagan king from Babylon who has abused the people of Israel is now praising God because he can look out and see God with them in the middle of the fire. For our church, God was really with us in that fire too. We celebrated that last night. One thing I didn't know until I was really studying the history in the last month or so was that our church had already discerned from God that they were supposed to move from down there to up here on the hill. And so actually that October, so again, that's today is the anniversary. So think of last Sunday had been their big commitment Sunday, where, where members of the committee had visited people in their churches to get them to make commitments to, over the next few years, give to make this property happen. They had already, they, they were already getting this property, they already had blueprints, there's a brochure downstairs of a picture of our church um, that had been handed out the beginning of October. Imagine the discernment. Imagine how powerful that is that the leadership of the church decided they needed to move. And they were making moves. They were, they, were, they were doing the things they needed to do to move this church right before the fire happened. If the leadership of the church isn't faithful in that moment, I'm not sure what happens to the church. I mean, if, if you go, that we had a, the church had a year until they built this building. Cornerstone says 1964. Then, so it would be the next December they started having services here. But, but imagine if that stuff's not in line. You know, people were mad about moving up here. i had people tell me about people who left the church because they didn't want to move. They weren't going to move. A, a decision that God made pretty clear later on, right? When there's no church down there anymore, I guess we all are moving. That one's dumb. But imagine if the leadership had said, okay, you're right, we'll stay there. Well, amazing here too is that the, the church had just recently, I read in one of the articles downstairs, had recently got a new insurance plan for the church. And they were planning to sell the church downtown to another church. And they were supposed to get $10,000 for the church building, which they had agreed to in principle but had never done in writing. And then the church burned. And then instead of getting $10,000 for the building, they got $60,000 from the insurance company for that building, which ended up really making the move up here possible and able to happen really fast. The real telling, downstairs there's an article, there's a picture where it has a crane a a day or two after the fire taking down the remnants of the building. And then almost exactly a year later, there's a picture below it of a crane putting the steeple on this church right here. God was so faithful to us that that fire didn't start while church was going on. So that there would have been a panic, or people would have gotten injured. There was even an event the evening before. And God was so faithful, and this church could have given up. We could have stopped meeting, but that church, our church, met that very morning. In the wee hours of the morning, the section got together and they said, "No, we're going to have church." And so I guess they went to the old high school and used the auditorium because somebody on section was involved at the school and had keys. And our church met the morning of the fire anyway. God was really faithful to our church. And what I know about our church now, because, because our past, your, your past is part of who you are, right? It's the, it's the things that happen to you in our life that are sort of defining. And a lot of those, unfortunately, some of them are good. You like getting married. You like having kids. Those are good, defining moments. But there are plenty of moments in your life and in your family that are bad that are just as defining. And isn't it amazing to think of our church now? And what I know is that in the DNA of this church, in who we are as a church, is the ability to radically discern God's will. And when the going gets tough, to come together to do what God has called us to. And maybe you didn't grow up in this church. Maybe you're new to this church. But I tell you what, you can borrow some of that DNA anyway. Because in your life, the same struggles come up. The same kind of fires that we can't understand. So often we feel bound, like we can't do anything. And we're tempted to bow and to say, "All right, I'll do what the world wants me to do and not what God has called me to do. But our church has proved. Just as Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego have proved that God is with us in the fire. That up from the ashes we come. Isn't that the whole faith that we have? Our faith is a faith of resurrection. Our faith is a faith of coming back from the dead. That when the fires come, we can stand because we are not alone, we have each other. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego may not have been strong just as Shadrach or just as Meshach, or just as Abednego. But with the three of them, they had the strength to stand up before the king and go right into that furnace. Together we are strong. Up from the ashes we come. So I don't know what fires you're going through in your life. I don't know what fires might be coming down the road for you. I don't know what might be coming for our church in the future. But I do know That we are not alone. That we have a faith of resurrection. That in the fire, that the fire doesn't just have to be burning. It doesn't have to just be bad. But the fire can be like, like the fire is sometimes described in the Bible as a refining fire. That cleans us, that makes us better, that forms and shapes us. The fire can be like that guiding fire. You remember that in the Old Testament? That God would guide the people with a, a pillar of cloud during the day and a pillar of fire at night. But I also know, especially important in the Bible, is the fire of the Holy Spirit described in Acts. That because of the work of Jesus Christ, the power of God, the presence of God, and the Holy Spirit can be within us. So that no matter what fires we go through, no matter what fires we go through, God is always with us. Not always protecting us from them, Not always explaining why. There's plenty of times where we go through fire and we don't get to look back and see God was with us. Let that go ahead and be okay with you for a second. Sometimes you're going to go through fire in your life and it's not going to make sense. Ever. We hold to the hope anyway that God is still with us and God is through that. May that be your hope. May that be the hope of our church in the future. Let's pray. Father God, I am so thankful for your love and for your grace, for your protection, that you are with us when we go through fires in our lives. Thank you for your blessing upon this church. Give us a memory of the times when you have been faithful, that they may sustain us. Pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.